Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. My guest today is a business and marketing strategist. He has helped build dozens of successful brands and startup businesses for both U.S. and international companies. That has led to numerous industry awards, including gold and silver Effies, very impressive, for the most effective advertising campaigns, and recognition by the Wall Street Journal as a pioneer in digital marketing. Currently, he is the managing director of the strategy consulting firm Rocket Market Development, He teaches graduate classes in business strategy and marketing communications at both Columbia University and New York University. And he is also an author of a brand new book entitled Make It in America, How International Companies and Entrepreneurs Can Successfully Enter and Scale in U.S. Markets. And we will be discussing that book today. Welcome Matthew Lee Sawyer to my podcast. Well, thank you, Joanne. It's a pleasure to be here. And we've talked before, and this is uh, great to be able to do it uh, on your podcast. Yes, I'm really excited to talk about this book, and we'll talk more about about that in a minute. I loved it. Um, But I also like to start with the question that I ask all of my guests, which is, where are you from? Well, well, thank you. Um, Well, I grew up in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, um, which is just right outside of Boston. And I grew up, it was a a three-family brownstone. I was on my mother and father and older brother were on the top floor. My grandmother was on the second floor and Aunt Molly was on the first floor. And I spent my first uh, 17, 18 years there. Um, And then I went off to... uh, Uh, to Michigan, where I went to University of Michigan and then came to New York after that. Wow. Multi-generational families. For a while, no one was seeing that, but I hear that those households are making comebacks. I think that's the result of the pandemic. So you've had a very successful career to date, but what made you want to write this book and, and why now? Well, it was more that the book came to me in terms of that it was, I saw this gap, I saw that there was a need for it. And then I had some downtime during COVID. And so that gave me the freedom or the opportunity. I feel incredibly lucky in the sense that I was able to have that time. And um, I had been doing some work with some international companies that were trying to come to the US. One was a French company that was very successful in Europe, but then sent someone over here to try to generate business and they wandered around for nine months and uh, my business partner and I helped them to put together identifying targets and stories and and how to communicate and then I was doing some work with some of the chambers of commerce the European American Chamber of Commerce and and the Belgian and they also reiterated the fact that it's difficult for companies to come to the U.S. and um, understanding all of the various nuances and complicated. And then I also did some work with some uh, startup incubators, and they also um, struggled. And most of them had at least one foreign-born founder. 
And, you know, it was all kind of new. So the book kind of came to me in terms of, I saw this gap in what was needed. And that's, that's kind of how I got started. And it was a pandemic project. It was. <laughs> well, it's, it's, so we both teach at NYU. And so um, NYU in the spring of 2001, the enrollment was down and they didn't need me. So I I didn't have a, a course to teach that that semester, so I had the uh, the luxury of the time to be able to devote on it. And and the pandemic actually helped me because people were at home and able to, you know, take a break and connect with people on Zoom. I connected with people in over forty different countries, and I spoke to well over a hundred and. 20, 130 people. So it was really um, easier to do during the, the COVID time. Yeah, I think you meant 2020. You said 2001, but I think you meant 2020. Um, that was the oh, semester yeah. that you had off. Otherwise, oh, it would have right. taken you a very, <laughs> a very long time. A very long <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it, it's funny what happened during the pandemic. It's, you know, now I can see you and I'm Zooming, but I'm not Zooming as much as I was Right. Certainly, two years ago, and even up to last year. So it's it's kind of interesting how how it how um, that at the same time it also freed us up from for more yeah. for more projects. So you wrote it for international companies and entrepreneurs. Um, is that do they have to be international entrepreneurs, or can it be any entrepreneur? Can you, can you talk about that? Part of it is is that you know I think anyone can benefit from it, but it's particularly when you're looking at something that's totally new. And so, you know, think about if you're like coming in and playing chess and you didn't know what the ground rules are or baseball, you know, if you don't know what the ground rules are and how to play the game, you know, it's impossible to play. So I tried to simplify things. Um, And for some people, um, they might think, well, that's obvious um, if they already know about in terms of how to generate, how to get financing for um, a startup. But um, I think it's particularly valuable um, for for the international folks who kind of go in, I don't want to say no knowing nothing, but sort of a, everything, a lot of things are very new and different. Yeah, well, we, I, it, we tend to complicate things at times here. Would you agree with that or... Am I? Yeah. And, you know, am I oversimplifying that? (laughs) Well, there are lots of different, you know, if you just think about it in terms of, you know, that we have 50 different states and each state has different laws, have different regulations, um, you know, that complicates. And then on top of that, you have, you know, just whole other, you know, areas of just complicated. And I think that particularly our, our legal system and our, immigration system, our tax system, you know, in some ways it's, um, you know, it's just inordinately complicated. I know as an American, you know, <laughs> I can't figure out our tax system. <laughs> I, I don't think, I think most, I think most of us can't, including the people that have been writing the tax codes. I'm not sure they understand it all the time. Um, but, you know, you talked about, and I, I think one of the things that I really, cause I really did enjoy reading the book and I, I think often with business books, they get so caught up in what the theory is that there is not a practicality to it. So I know you called it simplistic, making it more simple, but to me, it's more practical. And I think that there's so much that's so so practical in there. As I was reading, I'm like, I know he's writing this for international companies, but to me, 
anybody who wanted to start a business, this is almost like a primer. Because I think yeah. the simple part is sometimes what's most obvious is what we don't really know. We think everyone knows it, but they don't really know that. Yeah. And I, I also encourage like in the class, you know, you're a teacher too. And in our <laughs> classroom, we we encourage people to ask you know, any question and to make it safe environment. And particularly, you know, we have at NYU and I also teach up at Columbia and we have a very large percentage of international students and, you know, encourage them to ask questions, um, you know, so that they understand and to make it um, and, you know, they really appreciate that. So um, I veered towards more simplifying it and trying to explain um, as opposed to taking for granted that people know how to do things like setting up a company and, uh, you know, why go to Delaware as opposed to any other of the 50 states? And why would you go to Delaware as opposed to the other 50 states? <laughs> well, it, it well, there are certain reasons. It's actually not for everyone. But if you want to get investors and if you're thinking about um, going public at some point, you know, that would be most of the investment community wants it to be from Delaware because they understand the Delaware rules. They know that Delaware is a very business friendly um, legal system that they've you know, corporate legal system that they were one of the first ones and they really set it up. But if you, let's say, if you have a business that's in New York and you don't want to, you don't plan on uh, taking it public, there's no real reason to go to Delaware in the sense that that would almost like complicate things because then you have to pay and have, you know, someone, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's, you know, someone who's an agent of yours in Delaware to do all the filing every year. So, you know, for the most part, it is true, but there are situations and every situation is different. There you go. Delaware, tiny state, but very powerful. <laughs> uh, the book seems very timely to me, especially in light of what the pandemic has uncovered, both in what we do and don't manufacture in this country and, and certainly in the job market. Can you, can you talk about the timeliness of this? Yeah, I think of timely because I really, you know, want to encourage, you know, international companies to come to the U.S. And I want to encourage um, international uh, foreign based entrepreneurs to set up here because, you know, the country really needs it. The country needs its immigration and immigrants have long been, you know, sort of the, you know, the reason in terms of the fuel. If you look at, you know, the forget the exact term, but it was like over 40 of the top 100 companies and, you know, the number of, of startups that are started by a foreign born national, you know, it's, it's really, you know, huge. And, you know, our population is getting older. Um, and I don't want to be like a Japan where, you know, that all of a sudden the economy is shrinking because they don't have, you know, the, uh, the workers that don't have the uh, the innovation, um, so it's really the country really needs this ingrowth, and it's really been you know we are a country of immigrants. I was, you know, my grandfather was an immigrant and um, came here and started a company and um, became successful, gave back to the communities, and and we really need more of that. Yeah, I think many people forget that there, we were all immigrants at one time. I'm certainly second generation. So um, my grandparents all came through Ellis Island, which I get to see every day from where I live now. But um, 
I think we for, we forget that that's how this country was 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 built, and we need it. That's that's what's made us successful. Certainly, yeah. what's made even just looking at the microcosm of New York, it's like New York was built by the by immigrants. Yeah, and it was started by the Dutch, and the Dutch, you know, very much had this um, this philosophy you're looking at it in terms of it, we wanted to be the uh, the center of commerce for the world. There's a fantastic book called. Um, um, the island in the center of the world, which talked about the early foundings of New York, but it's always been built on commerce. And, and if you have something of talent and you're able to add to the economy, it was like, okay, come on in. And uh, it's really, I think one of the reasons I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I think that New York is so great because we've encouraged that diversity. We've encouraged, we want the best, we want the best of, you know, to come here. On the flip side, you know, it's difficult. And if you don't have, you know, providing, you know, real value and, you know, able to add, um, it's difficult. And so um, it's not an easy road. And coming to the U.S. should be, um, I want people to come here with eyes wide open <laughs> to see that there are, you know, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be challenges challenges, but there's definitely um, huge upside, you know, for people who are successful. And that's really what I think, that's when I go back to this practicality in the book. I mean, you really lay it out and and also give concrete examples. You, you, you do simplify it, but I think in a complicated world, we all need a little bit more simplifying. That's my, my yeah. two cents on that. You used a lot of case studies. Is there any one you'd want to talk about in particular? I well, I love the case study. So for me, that was the most fun of writing the book. You know, it was the case studies, getting to interview people. And, you know, I have over 15 case studies, you know, from countries, including South Korea, Colombia, the country, not the university, <laughs> um, Mexico, uh, Belgium, um, Australia. So, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of, and I think what I tried to do is each chapter. So if a chapter was focusing in on financing, then there was a case study that went along with it. Um, so, you know, those are, you know, that, that I think for me was, was one of the most important parts of the book. Yeah, no, I like the way you laid out. I mean, as, as another, as a fellow professor, it was laid out very much with, and this is your takeaways. It was kind of that, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you well, told them. Because, well, that's a very American thing. <laughs> it's a very American thing. It's, it's actually something in my upcoming book on how to write a pitch, which again, I don't think enough people really have ever been taught the basics of. Right. So th there's a reason in there for that. So obviously this is a great pitch as we talked about already for the U.S. at a time when I think it's really important to reinforce. Um, and you actually are talking about, you're going to be speaking at the Financial Times, is that right? On investing in America <laughs> Summit. So I'm not alone in thinking that this book is very timely and um, I'm right up there with the people at the Financial Times. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Yeah. So, you know, and, and there's a huge amount of, you know, in terms of investing, foreign investing in the U.S. And so it's very timely on their part. I think part of it is, is that as the world, there's so many things that are happening that the U.S. is the strongest. It is the most stable, even though we do have our ups and downs and we have diversity and we have, you know, some screaming and yelling in Congress. But, um, you know, it is 
you know, the most stable. And so they've put together on October 6th, um, a summit, which is on investing in America. And they asked um, me um, to present, and I'm going to be there with uh, the CEO of one of the companies that was featured in the book. The company is called Rocked, R-O-K-T. And it's an Australian company that had started in um, Australia in New Zealand and then came to the US and uh, they're going to be going public next year. And the early valuations of the company is uh, $1.9 billion. Wow, wow, that is pretty, pretty impressive. So the American dream is still alive and well. Yeah, I think so. We forget, it's, it's, it's hard because I think there's so much yeah. that's being said that it's not there anymore. But I right. think this book is also a good reminder that it is possible. Well, the other part of it too is, is that it's really, is, is that because in America, you know, you have so much choice. There's so diversity, there's so many pockets, there's so many different worlds. So your American dream can be what you choose it to be. It can be, you know, whether you want to make an influence in, in uh, you know, changing something about the environment, or you want to make a difference in terms of, you know, helping people, or you want to, um, you know, of course, there's some people that come here from monetarily reasons that want to get, you know, my Amer- their American dream is just to and have a big house and a big car and, you know, so all of those things are possible. And part of what I think is, is the, the beauty of the country is, is that you get to choose what is it the dream that you want. Now, I do have to say that, you know, there are things that need to be fixed because, you know, someone like me and someone like other folks, you know, who have come with a head start. And so, you know, I went to, grew up with a, a loving mother and father. I went to a good high school. I went to a great college. And, you know, so I had lots of opportunities that came my way. And we need to, as a country, we need to um, offer and make sure that everyone has, you know, as many of those opportunities. So I don't want to paint the picture that, um, you know, everyone, you know, has that equal shot. um, Because that is something that we do need to fix here. Well said. Well said, my friend. (laughs) Um, So... Let's get, I want to talk about this because you talked a lot in here about the financing, setting up of corporations and all of that sort of stuff. But you also discuss understanding American cultural differences, um, which as a born and bred U.S. citizen, um, actually born and bred in the city of New York, I personally find that the older I get, the less I think I understand it. Uh, (laughs) But can you talk about that? Because there are cultural differences. I can remember when I was doing national sales and the first time I set foot in Dallas and I had never felt like I was a northerner or a Yankee before until I was suddenly, you know, in in a town that was just so different than than where I was from. Yeah. And that was actually for me because a lot of this book was me learning and you know, studying and finding out things. So, you know, there is a lot about that. There's one section about, you know, where to play, where to set up shop, you know, and so I talk about the different regional differences and a lot of that has to do in terms of the, you know, the early foundations of each one of the the regions of the country. Um, and so there's a part in that 
um, the book about that, where I referred to, there was a great, another great book by Colin Woodward, Woodard, um, which is about the American nations, which about how the U.S. was never one cohesive nation. It was made up of, um, he pointed out, 11 different um, sub-nations that sort of came together. So there's that one section. And then there's another section which talks about cultural differences and um, I was too close to the subject. So what I ended up doing is I ended up um, working with and using a lot of research out of Finland by a, a group called the Hofstede Institute. And what they've done based on Goethe, Hofstede had been doing research for the past 30 plus years, looking at different countries and where they were different. And so I used that research as a way of um, explaining what the cultural differences are. Um, in some ways, it was I was a being a big chicken because I didn't want to be the one to say, "Oh, us Americans, we're all, you know, individualistic and we're all only care about one thing or the other." I'll lose all of my friends, so I had to pick a third party, which was based on. But what was great about it, it was based on all of this research, um, and it really is very well respected. I was very lucky to be able to then work with. You know, some of the folks, uh, Martin Carafa and, you know, some of the other folks at the Hofstede Insights, which uses the research to help companies. Um, I was very fortunate to work with them on that chapter. Yeah, I was I was reading something recently that um, is when we talk about the craziness that's going on right now in, in, in terms of one state to the next, that people forget that we've been like this since the beginning since we first landed here, that they were always fighting with each other. The colonies were fighting amongst each other, that there was, I guess that's part of what makes America a great place, um, that there was never, it was never this, you know, cons lofty consensus on everything that was that was going to happen. So, um, Well, the only consensus that they had was, is that, well, we need to get rid of the British. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We need to get rid of, of the queen's. Great, was it her great great grandfather? I forget how many times. Oh, yeah. She, she, oh, yeah. King she, Charles, she, I believe. <laughs> um, so if someone was coming up to you and and said to you they were from, I don't know, any pick a country. And what is the very first thing that you would tell them to do before they started to try and set up shop here, so to speak? Yeah, well, it's really kind of to do, and this was actually quoted by, uh, you know, one of the head of the Italian-American Chamber of Commerce, Federico Tosi, you know, said you really need to do planning and understanding and do your homework, you know, to really understand, you know, what it is. And too many companies sort of come here and saying, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there. And, you know, that's really, as you know, you know, in, you know, as a teacher, is you really have to, even if the plan changes, at least you have to have a, a going in plan that then you can adjust and modify as you go. You need to pick, you know, where is the, you know, where in the country you want to enter? Where's your beachhead? You know, you have to pick what are the products and services that you're going to be offering? How are you going to set things up? So you need to have that plan. So I think that's the most important thing. And then you know, the book also talks about the fact that you really need to, you know, 
employ experts, local experts. You know, so for example, it talks about finance, it talks about lawyer, about legal things. But the first thing it says is that, well, you have to hire a really good lawyer because you know you can't do it yourself. Here are some of the things, and at least it helps you to, to be able to ask what questions you need to ask. And the same thing, the finance world is so complicated. You need people to help you navigate it. But at least if you kind of know what questions to ask, and the same thing, you know, in marketing, you know, is, is you need local experts to be able to then come and be able to help you in terms of, you know, translating and, and working in terms of the cultural nuances and various things. You need those experts, but at least you have, um, you know, an understanding of sort of well, what are the potential downfalls? What do I need to do? What are the questions I need to ask? So in some ways, it's almost like a primer um, you know, before you get started. Yeah, no, but I think it goes back. It's kind of also, as you were saying that I'm thinking it's, you know, marketing 101. It's before we get started, let's assess the situation and, yeah. and see what's going on here and really understanding it. You know, I, I tell my students this all the time, homework never ends. Um, right. just, you, just cause you get a degree doesn't mean you stop doing your homework that it's, it's there all the time. But I think too often people want to jump in in, in today's world without doing that. And then they wonder why something didn't work. Um, that right. it still, it still requires research and, and really a good understanding, a, a really good understanding and having, as you said, the right people sitting at the table, yeah. um, who really understand it. It's not, um, you can't make a decision about a different culture if you don't have somebody there that's from that culture, in my humble little opinion. Now, this book is not out just yet, but it is available for pre-order. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay, so we can pre-order it, and then I think it's a December first. Um, but um, is there anything else you want to add in about the book um, before I get to my little my little um, light, lightning round of questions? Yeah, no, just in terms of thankful to so many people who helped me. You know, I, I really, you know, you know, particularly in things like you know areas that I'm not going to mention because <laughs> you know everyone and anyone. But there were so many people that helped me in terms of understanding whether it was the legal system, how immigration works. Um, you know, the people who were able to give me, tell me their stories for the uh, case studies. You know, I'm just it wouldn't have happened without a lot of help. So I don't know. Do you you to have to, you do have this book set up for you to teach a course that is just called Make It in America. I'm sure that has crossed your mind and I'm not giving you something that um, that you hadn't thought of already, but it really is set up well for that in my little humble opinion. Was that okay. in the back yeah. of your head or did you just, the, the professor, you know, sometimes the professor in us never goes away no matter what I'm doing. It's got to be like yeah. laid out in some organized fashion. Yeah. It's sort of, it's like one of these things and, and, you know, we, you know, have a mutual friend with Christian Bush who wrote a book called the serendipity mindset this is that I don't know, like I put together this book and I don't know what doors it's going to open up. I don't know what, you know, whether it's speaking engagements, whether it's consulting, whether it's, I don't know what it's going to lead to. I just have this gut feeling it's going to lead to a good place. So, um, and to be very honest, this is sort of the fun part of it, the writing the book <laughs> the <old> days <laughs> that were, you know, I was ready to, you know, give up and, you know, think I, how could I do this? How could I have thought I could write a book? But, uh, now this is the fun part. You're absolutely right. You are in the fun part as someone who is in the last stages and keeps saying that she's in the last stages of her book, the last stages are the worst, because that's when you're just like, I, 
why am I doing this? You, I, you fall into imposter syndrome and then you're like, let's skip. Let's pretend I never did this. Did I say I was writing right. a book? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just make, making that up. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to write a book. Yeah. At least yeah, one yeah. that, may, and the one that really has a clear beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah, yeah. The one, the big thing I found is, is that it was in stick. It was in stages. It was, you know, mm-hmm. there were so many different stages in writing a book. This first, in terms of, for me, it was first getting an, uh, a publisher interested in it, and then, you know, coming up with an outline, and then, you know, starting to do the interview and the research. And this, there were different phases. So I think I, I didn't fully realize one wasn't just getting a, an ugly first draft and then the mm-hmm. editing. So there were so many different phases of this project. All right. All right. Well, I'd like to finish up with my little lightning sure. round. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. So favorite social network? Um, I've been using LinkedIn a lot. So that I'm not sure it's the favorite one, but that's the one I've been using the most. <laughs> Makes perfect sense for what you're doing right now. <laughs> Something people would never guess about you. Um, I guess that I love to cook. You know, for me, this is that I get my enjoyment sort of at the end of the day or whatever. Is is that, you know, I love to cook and you can create and then you get immediate gratification. My wife actually works for a French food company. And so she she's more of a baker and so something we love to do together. So I guess maybe that's something. A baker. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, last series you binged? Um. I'm watching right now one called Bad Sisters, which is on Apple TV that has really uh, caught my attention. So that was really good. And then I saw this fantastic one called uh, Tehran, which was also on Apple TV, which was took place in um, um, in modern day Tehran in Iran, with uh, which was a really suspenseful um, Israeli spy story. Yeah, Apple's been doing some really fantastic stuff yeah. um, very quietly. A food you can't live without. I'm probably going to tell me an almond croissant right now, but I don't know. A, f- <laughs> um, a food, I, I guess, you know, I start my morning with a yogurt, a yogurt, banana and granola. So I guess you know, I'm kind of addicted so, to that. So healthy. Um, what you miss most about pre-COVID life? The big thing for me is I used to go to the gym all the time. So I was a member of a uh, gym, the Equinox, and I'd go there four or five times a week. And then during COVID, I stopped and I haven't gone back. Um, I'm trying to do walks. I'm trying to do get exercise other ways, but um, that has been a big change. It's not not the same. same. I know. I know. Especially for those who are younger than us, the older you get, it's not, it's just not the same. You really need that gym. Um, (laughs) And what motivates you to get up in the morning? Um, I guess it's kind of, you know, I love the fact of, you know, the teaching and, you know, with the consulting is as you get to work with people and try to help them. And, and I know that, you know, I'm sure you would agree is, is that the students, you know, what we have at NYU and also at Columbia, particularly international students, they're so respectful and thankful and, you know, they really want to learn and they want to do good things. And it just makes you feel so good. Yeah, I I, I was just saying that to someone yesterday that um, it makes me feel like, I, like I've given, I'm giving something back in some small way. Um, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully something that I say will help to make the world a better place. I, yeah. I, 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 I 
sometimes I think yes, and sometimes I'm not so sure, but I know it, it's very gratifying. So where can people find you and, and where can they pre-order the book? Um, make, well, make, it is, it, make it in America. Uh, anyone who wants to start a business, not just international people, yeah. I personally think should read it. Yes. So the website for the, the book is www.matthew with two T's, Lee Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R. And there are links there to be able to purchase it on IndieBound and um, for international. There's book directory. And then it's also available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Um, and um, yeah, I guess the best way is to connect with me through that, that link. Okay. And they can follow you on LinkedIn, of course. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight to chat with you. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. <laughs>